Today on City Cash Chicago, we're keeping it in the family. Producers Simone Alisea and Carrie Shepard join me to break down the week's news, like Delta variant strengthening its grip on Chicago, and more questions about ShotSpotter's relationship with the city, and of course, our moments of joy. It's Friday, August 13th. Yes, that's right, Friday the 13th. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. We are sitting down, looking back on the week with the people who make this podcast possible. Lead producer, Carrie Shepard, and producer, Simone Alisea. How how y'all feeling today? I'm going to start with you, Simone. How you feeling? I'm good. I am uh, well caffeinated, which is all I can ask for. (laughs) Carrie, how you feeling today? I'm feeling great. Carrie, we're going to jump in for you. What was that? that Lee story, that that story that kind of dominated your thought process this week? The story that started the week on Sunday was the fatal shooting of the police officer, Ella French. It was a, they're saying a routine traffic stop in Inglewood and her partner was critically wounded. And obviously more details are coming out since then, um, such as Brown, Superintendent Brown chastising a judge who released the man who allegedly purchased the gun that was used um, in the shooting. There were how many people were shot and killed last weekend, right? In the neighborhoods. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but over 70 people were shot. And I believe it was 11 people killed last, right. last week. I'm split on this. I'm interested in what you think about it, Simone and you too, Jacoby about, you know, how it quickly becomes about the politics of the mayor mm-hmm. and you know, the story being that the rank and file cops at the hospital supposedly turned their back on the mayor to sort of show their disapproval with her and, you know, lack of what they say is a lack of support for cops. Right. And yeah, I think those moments are so like polarizing, like they gain so much attention. Right. Like those moments are frightening. Cause there's one thing if like citizens turn your back on the mayor, many of us don't have like the power to impact the lives of other people. But when like the police force and members of the police force, people who will still go out there, have interactions with community members who still have to go out there and do their job, are showing like an open hostility towards the mayor, like that just doesn't feel safe. Safe for whom? Like the Cops are, it's revving them up, you're saying. Yeah, for, for community members. It's just like the idea that you know your police force is is m- not necessarily more hostile, but like they're, they are upset. They are, they are, are they're, they should be emotional. Like right? this is a, a hard moment, but the idea that they are like angry at the mayor and like show that. Well, to be fair, like she is their employer, right? Their mm-hmm. boss, yeah. That's true. I, I kind of agree with Carrie that like, it, it is a little bit weird how easy it is for us to kind of turn to the the political ramifications of somebody dying. Right. <laughs> like, oh, what does this mean for the mayor's reelection? Like, what does this mean? It's like political theater. Yeah. More. It's like the theater of it all. Yeah. yeah. And it just feels like talking about what leads to gun violence is a lot harder than talking about how the mayor and cops, what they're sort of public relationship looks like. You know what I mean? It's just like, it. it's such a silly cycle that takes away from the obvious story of like, somebody was killed, but also others were killed whom we don't even have the names of in the news, right? Last weekend. I feel that. I mean, 
Because, right, those those other 10 people are not going to get, like, profiles and their best pictures selected. Right. And, and all those things. Simone, what was that story for you this week? Uh, for me, it was, and I almost don't want to bring it up because I feel like it ends up coming up every week, but I have to talk about the spread of the Delta variant. Um, it's, like, we can't get away from it. It's out there. Um, it's happening. Uh and the head of Chicago Public Health, Allison Arwady, she spoke Thursday morning um, and we got an update. Another thing that I don't want to mention because we keep talking about it. She gave an update on Lollapalooza. You know, so they said that about two, that 203 people out of some like 380,000 people who went to Lollapalooza contracted COVID. Wait, give me those numbers again. Someone? So 203 people out of about 380,000. I did the math and it's like 0.05%. This is assuming that, you know, their contact tracing and their surveillance is really robust. Again, they say it is, but but I think there's always a question of like, especially with so many people coming out from out of town and stuff like that, how how accurate are those numbers? So that but they're already is saying and sort of straight up said it's not a super spreader event. That's what she said. Yeah, she said there's there's no information that suggests to this point it's a super spreader event. That said, we know that spread is happening. We know cases are going up overall, even if Lala wasn't a super spreader event. And I think the thing that like I keep coming back to is I keep seeing a lot of people say like, oh, it's like we're back in March of 2020. But I actually think it's kind of worse. Yeah, I've seen that counter argument too. Yeah, right, right. Back then, we knew so little and it was so dangerous that it was like really easy to just make the decision of like, especially like a personal decision of being like, okay, I'm not going to go out. I'm going to be really safe. I'm going to wear a mask. And it was a little bit easier for governments to also make that decision of like, okay, we're going to close restaurants. We're going to do that. Now at this point, because everyone's vaccination status is different, you like, we have gotten like a taste of normalcy for a lot of us this summer where transmission was low that like, there are so many variables to making that decision of like, what do I do? How, how do I like negotiate those interactions with like family who's feeling different or people who are unvaccinated in my life? Or like, how do I deal with my kids who can't, who are ineligible to be vaccinated, you know? And that to me is so much more stressful, so much more depressing. It, it's so much harder to deal with than just like, okay, there's this respiratory virus out there that I don't want to get. So I'm going to stay inside. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's the like that's a really good point. Like we're going to see my parents and a year ago we wouldn't even consider going to see them, but now we're all vaccinated and we're going to we're going to go, but I was thinking should we get a should we get a negative covid test first and should we go back to eating outside with them? You know, it's it's yeah, it's scary again because you do have this kind of maybe this false sense of security and certainty that we shouldn't really have, right? Mm -hmm. Our next topic area is underhyped story, right? We spend a lot of time combing the headlines, uh, but there are a lot of stories that kind of fall to the wayside, right? That don't pop up on as many people's radars. Carrie, what was your underhyped story this week? The story that deserved way more attention on people's radar. I'm using this uh, underhyped category to actually hype one of our own stories. So I'm cheating a little bit. And that is that we reported earlier this week about ShotSpotter. And ShotSpotter, for anyone who missed that episode, A, go back and listen to it. It was Tuesday. B, is a technology, it's a gun detection 
um, technology. So it's essentially like a microphone, right? It's overwhelmingly in black and brown neighborhoods. And there's a Vice article that came out criticizing it. There are entire, you know, there are activists who are leading entire campaigns to end shot spotter in Chicago, Chicago, Natalie Rivera, our producer who was reporting this, you know, Chicago's the second largest contract of shot spotter. And it's a $33 million contract. And as she's reporting this, all the sources are telling her, you know, we're really pushing this, this end shot spotter for August because the contract is up in August. She learns from the city. No, it's not. We extended it. It's actually up now in 2023. Every source that Natalie told our activists, Alex, who was on Jamie Calvin, every other sources she checked with, none of them knew it was extended. At this point, it definitely feels like it was quiet as hell. (laughs) When the mayor was asked about it this week, she didn't really have an answer on why the city renewed its contract with ShotSpotter for two more years. Just that uh, she did know that it was extended and that she will be watching to see how that relationship looks like in the future. And also, she said, when ShotSpotter works, it works and it saves lives. So the thing is, there are a lot of critics reports that say it's not even effective. Yeah, I think this is worth highlighting because, you know, as you point out, it's not just that like they quietly did this and no one was talking about it. I really want to emphasize the fact that like, you know, it was around this spring when some of these studies were coming out and some of these reports were coming out about the efficacy or lack thereof of ShotSpotter. And activists have been talking about this contract for a really long time. And the other thing I thought that was really interesting about why it was renewed and kind of no one heard about it was sort of the mechanism by which these contracts are renewed means like they don't have to go before the city council. Right. I was going to say, we should be clear. They didn't violate. There is a state law and municipal ordinance that they they didn't violate anything in that sense. That said, if if you have people knocking down your door saying, don't renew the contract and you've already renewed the contract, you should maybe tell them that you've done that. that that's all I'm saying. The other thing just to note is that they can, the city can actually still, because of that law, they are also entitled to cancel it before it's set to ex- current set expiration date in 2023. So activists like Alex Goodwin, whom we spoke to on the pod, you know, told us, yeah, we're going to st- still keep fighting, fighting this issue. Every show is one of my favorite things to talk about, which is some good news <laughs> to get you through. And uh, so I wanted to hear what's the good news coming from my team. Carrie, I'm going to start with you. What's that moment of joy, that good news for the people this week? Okay, Jacoby. First of all, I love, you know, I love when you sing anything, but I love that you sang that. Um, We're taping this Thursday, but I'm really excited and going to watch the Sox and Yankees at the Field of Dreams tonight. (laughs) Um. Is that dorky? No. That's awesome. I love okay. it. it. It's not. I like that. I like that story. We should explain what, like, wait, what exactly is this game and where is it? Right. Okay. So the, the Chicago White Sox are playing the New York Yankees. But they're going to play the, what, the first major league baseball game ever in Iowa at this sort of 
old movie set turned baseball stadium. An Oak Park woman, I believe, sort of rebuilt the Field of Dreams field. And when you are listening to this on Friday, you will know the outcome of that. But we are taping it Thursday. And that is my moment of joy because it's um, I'm going to watch it. Simone, give me a little bit of some good news to get you through. So so this is kind of some, some secondhand good news. We talked to a couple of different people this week for the show who had like big life events. Mm-hmm. So for example, Jacoby, you and I talked to for, for a, a pod that's coming out next week. Stay tuned. Uh, we talked to uh, Maya Dukmasova, who, who wrote this big uh, cover story for the reader. And she talked to us the day before her wedding. Yep. <laughs> nice. And then I know Carrie and Jacoby, you guys talked to somebody this week for another pod coming out. Sarah soon. Quintins, <laughs> who works at Sullivan High School and leads their English language learners program. And she was whole time pregnant. She was having a baby like the next day. Yeah. And in a car, and it was hot yeah. as hell. And Sarah does not miss a beat. So, number one, I am like, very happy that people are willing to work us into their schedule. And even when it's someone's like, oh, I'm, I'm on vacation. Is that okay? I'm like, yes, go on your vacation. And then that's the other thing is like when I hear about these big events, I am just like genuinely so happy for these people. <laughs> like I'm just so excited. I'm like, you're getting married. That's awesome. I'm so happy. And it's like I just am genuinely so happy when good things happen to the people we talk to. And like it brings me like that's the thing that brings me so much joy. I'm always humbled as a journalist that people – take time to talk to you, you know, like, and share their stories. Yeah. And then, and then when you find out like where they are or what they are going through and their lives are so much more than the the stories they're sharing with us, but it, it's nice to feel like a part of that little moment for them as well. But my moment of joy this week. Wait, Jacoby. Is, no, go ahead. You got some good news to get you through. <laughs> <laughs> right, like thanks somebody else. Somebody else do the, the the work of. I'm always the one on here sounding out of tune and out of key. Um, <laughs> no, but my good news, and I'm gonna do my best to leave it in good news, is the Bud Billiken Parade is happening this weekend. And I say that I want to leave it in good news is because that is also you know we just talked about COVID a lot, <laughs> and so having another outdoor parade, it, it's scary, but. The Bud Billiken Parade has been around since 1929. And going to the Bud, which is a back-to-school parade on the south side, was like, it was just one of the things you did during the summer. Maybe not every summer, but it was one of the things that was on that list of summer activities. You knew the summer was over when it was time for the Bud Billiken Parade. You go get a backpack. Or when I was a teenager, my brother, my sister, my dad, my mom, we would all skate in the Bud Billiken Parade for our family's skating rink. There's this old picture of our dog at the time with sunglasses on and a skating rink t-shirt in the truck that we all skated next to during the parade. And while the route is shorter, while there will be a bunch of precautions, while they won't go as uh, hard in terms of how many people are there for the parade, I am excited that the bud is going off because it was, as a child, it was it was a bigger than life event to see that many cars, that many people on the sides. It was it was shown on TV. Like Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That was that yeah. was such a big deal for us. That's uh, that's so sweet and I really appreciate like you know, the childhood connection you have the parade. Yeah. But also Jacoby, I have to ask, are you, are you also just trying to meet Candace Parker? 
Candace Parker is leading the parade. <laughs> see, see, I didn't even know that. See, now I'm going to have to put my skates on and just show off for Candace Parker and let her know we're here. <laughs> City Kid Chicago, the dude in the skates. To our producers, Carrie Shepard, Simone Alisea, thank y'all for being guests on City Cash Chicago. Thanks, Jacoby. Thanks, Jacoby. After more than 100 episodes of the podcast and even more the newsletter, we know you've learned a thing or two about our city, and we have too. Lead producer Carrie Shepard, what has City Cash Chicago taught you about this place? One thing I never knew was that there was a UFO sighting near O'Hare in 2007. Stay tuned for more on that. Producer Simone Alisea, let me hear you. I have learned so much about the way this city was built, its architecture, but also the mechanics of the Chicago River and the design of its beautiful parks. Producer Natalie Rivera out in Los Angeles. You guys have a lot of vegan restaurants and influencers like the Korean vegan, so I definitely need to go visit. And newsletter writer Sydney Madden, who is reading all the news all the time, and I know because she's sending it to me all the time. I didn't realize how popular the CBD and THC infused food scene was in Chicago until you all talked to Chef Manny Mendoza. And I've learned that this city got hella lead pipes, y'all. Like 400,000 lead pipes. It's kind of ridiculous. Uh, it's in our drinking water. It's in our homes. It's in the blackest and brownest communities in Chicago. It's in the parks. It's too many. Thanks to Sam Trump and Mark Greenberg from the Mayfair Workshop for our music. And as always, thank you. I'll talk to you Monday. Peace. It's Friday the 13th. Keep it spooky.